everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the DNVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk, and NBA basketball is back. Yeah, I know I've started the show with the NBA is back claim for several weeks now. First, it was for the media day, then for the start of the training camp, then for the preseason games. But those were all fake. This is the real deal. The NBA regular season is back. Well, I guess technically the playoffs are the real deal, but you don't mind that. Your true sickos following our Denver Nuggets 24-7-365. Well, I have good news for you nerds. 2024 is the leap year, so you'll be able to follow your favorite team for 366 days next year. Let's see if we can squeeze in an extra show for February 29th. The first two games are in the books. Versus the Lakers, it was a very close game, probably the closest 12-point game in the league history. It probably caused some conversations between the stars of the very historic franchise and the Los Angeles Lakers are one. And boy, I would not want to be in the Nuggets' place next time they'll be forced to play the favorite team of the Dallas Cowboys fans. The Cowboys are a baseball team, right? Maybe hockey? I don't care. Versus the Grizzlies, we've seen an ugly, ugly game. Jokic looked very sloppy, recorded nine turnovers. But the truth is, Memphis guys play very frenetic defense, at least two gears above the level Nikola is willing to play in late October. Jamal was clutch, but my main takeaway were Zeke and Peyton playing like madmen, similar to Grizzlies, and I liked it a lot. I've called in some top-shelf guests to help me get my thoughts together. First, the best a cappella singer among the sports writers and the best sports writer among the a cappella singers. Uh, he is a former trombonist, but a very current DNVR Nuggets, uh, DNVR columnist. It's Visible Mike, also known as Mike Olson. Welcome. Okay. What a weird and terrible resume <laughs> that is. I've never really thought about that. Um, and I, and I I, I'm not Mike. sure. Every, every <laughs> once in a while, when a few of the guys have been drinking a little bit and they get started singing, I'm not so sure I am the best a cappella singer uh, amongst the group. So, but but thanks. Yeah, what a what a lovely introduction. Hey, Miroslav. <laughs> uh, so the last time we've seen you on this show was just before Game 5 of the Finals. Yeah. Please, please take me through your journey as a Nuggets fan from the championship night up until like a week ago before the season started. Um, I'm, I'm, I know I wasn't alone in shedding a tear or two uh, when that when that finally all came to pass. Um, my gosh, uh, watching that team for so long and following them through so many ups and downs, but especially with a team that's. Um, not just as talented, but as as great and cohesive as this one. What a what a fun team to follow as a fan, you know. And and so it was. Um, I I hope there are many more championships to come, but I can't imagine a better or meaning or more meaningful one than that first one. Just just perfect, just perfect. And I just rode on that all all summer long. It was fantastic. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, time spent going back through the season and watching, um, you know, highs and lows. A lot easier to watch that end of season in advance now, knowing what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was great. What a great last year. It was truly special. Uh, just after the Lakers game, uh, 
the journalist from Serbia, Aleksandar Žigić, asked Nikola Jokic how did it feel for him to, to get that ring finally and stuff like that. And he was like, man, it's special because we don't know. It might be the only one we get. Yeah. So you need to soak it in. And, you know, for some of these guys, it will probably be the only one. You know, we already have some guys that are not on the team anymore. So, so yeah, I guess I guess that's special. But we'll talk a, a bit more about the, the ring ceremony in a minute. Before that, uh, let me introduce my favorite bowler slash archer in the world. An extremely competent dog person. A person I am envious of for both being young and being tall. He is the host of the Nuggets podcast called Four Corners, which I never miss. It's Rayvon Ray Hackshaw. Hey, guys. What's going on? It's been almost four months since you've last been on the show. So how is life? Good. Um, I study at CU Denver. That's been fun. I play basketball for them. I, um, As you mentioned, I enjoy archery. And uh, we're working on being a PBA member. We'll see. What is the wow. PBA? So it's the uh, Professional Bowling Association. Oh, oh, <laughs> sounds sounds super serious. So uh, are you are you expecting we'll a, a maxed uh, extension if you get to it? Um, maybe just getting in would be nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know in uh, about a month or so. Oh, that that sounds really really exciting. That's cool. I, I'll follow up on that uh, in a month to see what, what happens. Okay, last but not least, one of my favorite people in the world I haven't had the chance to meet in person yet. He loves space, loves science, but above all, he loves the Denver Nuggets. It's Joshua Messer. Welcome back to the show, Josh. What's up, guys? How are we doing, Miroslav? Uh, excellent, excellent. It's It's so exciting to have some actual games to talk about, so it should be fun. This will be... Uh, a show with no debutants after some time. I'm always trying to get some new uh, faces on the, on the screen, but you know, this time around, I was like, "Yeah, let's let's get some old dogs here, and and we can, you know, we can we can um, uh, go uh, forward and back on on uh, several st- subjects." So before we begin, you know, with the with the week that happened, the first thing that happened was the ring night. The banner ceremony the rings ceremony josh how did you uh, how did you uh, uh, observe that that uh, special occasion in the nuggets history man it was it was goosebumps i i really don't think that i have quite the uh, i haven't been following them for quite as long as some of the other folks around but um basically since like 2010 i really started getting into the nuggets and um, so, you know, 13 years or so, and, and, you know, over the past 10 years or so, just religiously, just following everything they do. And so, I mean, I just watched it at home. You had it on the living room, was recording it. I've watched it again since, and it was just so cool to see like some of the players get really emotional, to see Jokic get emotional, um, to see here, like hear how cool that, that, uh, you know, AG got up there and man, it was just so exciting to see them get their moment. Like, I feel like they've, they've gone through a lot. The the finals seemed like they were so long ago, and to see that all happen was was pretty incredible. Uh, Ray, th- did you have a, a tear in your eye while you were watching the the banner go up? You know, it's interesting going into it. I might have even li- aligned a little bit more with the, what what the players were talking about in terms of 
I'm kind of ready for number two. I'm ready to get started and kind of jump into that process. But I mean, it really, it reiterated for me how lucky I am, I think, as a sports fan and just to be in an environment where not only do we get a championship, but I think I have the, the context and the life experience to really appreciate it and value it. And like, it's like, not everyone gets this. So I'm like, did I, um, maybe a little bit, maybe a couple tears, a little, it did, it did, it struck me somewhere deep in my giblets. So Mike, during the, all the years you've been following the Nuggets as your favorite team, you, you've seen the team climb upwards, 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 and then just fall down uh, horrendously. And then they get another climb and, and this time around, it wasn't a quick climb. It was a eight season long climb. Was it the most fulfilling way to, to get to the, to the championship? They, they certainly did not uh, skip any steps, did they? Um, along the way, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I, I actually um, so many good moments that night, and I kept it to a lump in my throat uh, up until the moment that um, all the guys went and started touching the edge of the banner uh, before they started pulling it up to the ceiling and thinking about the fact that when I go down and I see the banner hanging there, that I'm going to be thinking about the fact that the guys all touched it before it went up in the air. I was like, all right, that was. That was it. I lost it. Uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, it it was momentous. They they really built to it all the way. And you think about all the steps they did take along the way, all of the not quite making it into the playoffs, you know, every, you know, Jamal going down, having to rebuild and rebuild still just inside of this story. Good grief, man. Uh, yeah, especially cool. when, when it's so close to you, when when you can feel that franchise with all of your being, you know, being a Coloradan or a, or a adopted Coloradan in some cases. I was watching a, a TV show that, that was made in Serbia some seven years ago, and it was about the history of, of uh, Yugoslav basketball that started in, in 1945, and the first big chunk of it ended with the first World Cup championship in 1970, which was a 25 years long climb. And guys, I've, I know everything historically that happened there, but I was just crying throughout the, the show. So I can, I, can, I can believe you guys how, how emotional it is when you're so close to it. It's, it's kind of harder for us, you know, from the other continents to feel the connection all the way there, you know, unless you actually see the players cry and then then that's that's good enough <laughs> excuse for me to to join them, I guess. So, Josh, is there something you you'll always remember from that night? Some some detail of it? I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but it's got to be Jokic. He just doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve very often. He he tends to be a little bit more reserved. So when he does show emotion, you know, he either hits a big bucket or gets a good assist right in the final seconds and somebody drains a basket. You just like see him scream primarily. It was similar to like watching him, you know, when he was crying a little bit there as they were hoisting the ceremony. And um, that to me was really cool because he said, I'm going to win this for the veterans, right? For Ish, for DJ, for Jeff. Um, and he said, I miss those guys, right? I wish those guys were here. So 
Um, again, it's a little cliche. It's probably the cop-out answer, but just seeing how excited he was for the whole thing. I didn't know if how, how committed he was going to be to the ceremony, and um, that, that was really cool for me, man. I really like that. I don't think that's a cliche at all, because when he's talking about the veterans, he is kind of an old soul, even though he, was, he is you know, pretty younger than those guys. He, he felt those guys like the one pro that are probably more on his level than some of the younger guys on the team. Ray, do you think the, the, the lack of those veterans can hurt you know, Nicola's feelings about the team too much? Or is the continuity of the team good enough this way? That's an interesting question. I, I think on some level, it's always going to feel like, oh, I wish, you know, this person, I wish Wancho was here, you know? I wish, like, lots of these different players throughout the process. I'm sure Wilson Chandler would have loved to, having watched Jokic in his early years, see him come so far as a player. Um, but at the same time, I think for him, all of those guys are also they were nuggets then so they're kind of nuggets now you know they might be in other places they might be in other spaces but at the same time you know this championship i think is a win for everyone who contributed throughout the process and i think for Jokic, it includes everyone uh, even on prior teams mike is there a, a different detail from the night that that you know you will always remember uh, well, I think Joshua nailed the answer there. Um, I, you know, let's see what surprised me. Um, double decker rings surprised me. I did not expect <laughs> um, uh, a ring inside a ring. I mean, I guess I didn't, I, I didn't expect that to pop out. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll finish with the, with this segment on this note. And when we return, We'll start talking about the actual games. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we're back. Let's start with that Ring Knight Lakers game. So my biggest takeaway from that game, to no surprise, since I'm just a smidge biased toward the great Samborian, was the fact that Nikola still just doesn't see Anthony Davis in front of him. So, Josh, were you surprised to see that nothing changed in these four months since we saw those two guys on the court? I mean, it, it felt like game five, right? I mean, it felt like, you know, Jokic has AD figured out. He has the whole team figured out. I mean, we say AD, but I mean, the reality is oftentimes he's not even guarding them and he's still picking them apart. I mean, it was like a, a symphony, right? Everybody knows their role. Um, everybody's in concert just trying to work together. So um it, it was beautiful basketball to watch it was cool to just feel like they hadn't missed a beat especially the starters but even some of the newer guys who were trying to get into the mix that was a a, a fun game to just feel like wow they, they're still really cohesive so mike if ad should still be considered one of the top defensive guys out there and if nikola is just as matt moore likes to say moving through him like water so what's there for the rest of the league to, to think about potential matchup with the Nuggets? You know, um, 
Adam also talks about it a lot from the perspective of how um, it seems like Jokic figures guys out. I think it'll be interesting to see him against a guy like Wembenyana for a little bit, uh, you know, that he doesn't have uh, a, a code cracked for yet. But to that end, I mean, I think similar to the way teams play in the playoffs, I think one of the things that uh, Nico is really good at is it he approaches it to me a little bit like, a boxer does. I'm going to keep doing this until you show me that I can't. Basically, right? And and um, I think it, I think it's time now for AD or somebody like that if to to come back with an answer if they've got one because otherwise I think Joker just keeps doing the same things over and over. I I, I think he's got him figured out. So Ray, if AD cannot do it. Is, is it Minnesota? What what is the combination? Is it Wendell Carter Jr.? <laughs> who, who, who is the guy? Who is the guy? Or, or not the guy? Basketball is not one on one. It's five on five. What is what is actually the best remedy for Nikola? You think there is you know out there? You know, I. It's funny you mentioned Minnesota. I do think it is some team in a similar way that I think. Uh, a lot of teams played LeBron this way is that like they didn't have one guy to say we're going to cover LeBron with this one guy and he's going to be the answer. They're going to bring in three guys, four guys and rotate them in for a night and say, hey, you all got six fouls. <laughs> and I think that is the closest thing you can do to stopping him. Um, so talking about the Lakers, I think for Anthony Davis, it comes down to you're probably not going to be able to stop him from doing the things he wants to do. The best you can hope for is make him work hard and match him on the other end. And I don't think many people are actually critical of AD for not stopping Jokic. I think people are a lot more critical for the, uh, the sort of uh, zero points in the second half. I think that is uh, a tough, it's a tough comparison at that point. Yeah, that's that's interesting because we did see the we did see the Memphis crew having more success against Nikola Jokic, probably because of the two reasons. One, because they played like two gears above what Nikola is, you know, willing to play in in late October, I guess. And the second reason, the, the refs just didn't call anything against him. So that's always a good thing if you can smack a guy and he doesn't get a call. That's that's always always uh, good for your uh, chances against him. So I kind of expected Coach Malone to start the season, you know, game against the Lakers with a 10-man rotation since he, that preserves the bodies of his starters. But he went straight to the nine-man group, staggering Jamal with the bench, which was Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Zeke Nagy. Many fans wanted Julian Strutter in that lineup. Not sure uh, instead of who. But we got this defensive-minded group, and in their first stint, they were something like plus five. And I know it was only the Lakers bench with LeBron against them, but still, pretty, pretty, pretty good showing from them. So, second game did give us ten guys. Jay Straw got five minutes of play time, and we did get something like three minutes of all bench guys. My question to you guys is: Coach Malone didn't give us the 10-man rotation in the first game because he wanted that win against the Els, right? What do you think, Mike? 
Um, I think he wanted the win, and I'm not sure he might not have expanded had had they been able to stretch it out a little more, making a few more shots along the way there. Um, it's it's interesting. I also think he had the benefit of the buffer of you know how, how often do you get two nights off the first thing right after you've played your first game of the season. So um, I think he also felt like maybe he had a little more leash to run the main guys a little longer than maybe you would have in game one, in my opinion. I don't know. So, Ray, were you surprised with only nine guys in, in game one? Not surprised, no. Honestly, um, if anything, I was surprised the amount of a role that Peyton Watson seems to have just on day one. Uh, but it's great to see. I think he's providing a lot in terms of like the physicality and doing the small things that the team needs him to do. But um, especially with their roster construction, that they don't have that clear fifth name yet, it doesn't surprise me too much. So, so Josh, uh, Ray mentioned uh, Watson in game one. And overall, he wasn't really, really good, even though I guess he earned that second stint because the first stint was collectively good. But he kind of didn't... He looked like he didn't know what, what he was supposed to do on the offensive side of the ball. So how happy are you to see Coach actually stucking with him uh, in game two? And I guess uh, he got, uh, you know, uh, good results from that. Yeah, I mean, he... He talked about it at practice, right? I think the guys were talking about that on their their practice notes, and he basically said, "Nothing's a given, man. Like if you're just going to come in here and you think that these minutes are are yours, and and you don't have to either earn them or keep them, like you're you're just you're not going to be on that out there for very long." So, um, but what I appreciate about about Malone, who for the past few years has has not typically played rookies much, right? Before before CB stuck with him and said hey let's let's see what you got we saw the potential in in the g league we saw the potential the last few games of of last season um and and kept with him and and honestly had a, had a great game and i think he went two for three from the three-point line last night three huge blocks right i mean those all three of those were were all over twitter so um i think he knows now that that he's got to perform well and play well and do those little things to stay out on the floor but if he can do that, man, he's he's easily a lock, not only to the regular season, but but I think he's going to be out there in the playoffs as well. Yeah, this is a good uh, point to 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 move to to game two against Memphis. And as you said, he had those two threes. They, he had a layup. He had three blocks and six rebounds in only eighteen minutes. So yeah, I was I was really happy to see what he brought to the to the game on both sides. So do you expect? Peyton to build on this last game or do you expect him you know to have more or less up and down games in the in next next couple of months Josh um yeah I mean I I see him only getting better right I mean you got to have real world reps you're going to have your highs and your lows you're going to have good games and bad games he's got some really cool people that he can learn and grow from he's he's got some cool developmental pieces um I think we're going to be frustrated with him I can see more games than not where he'll frustrate us and and you know fans like a scapegoat to point to and say ah those bench minutes we lost by seven points and it was because you know Watt was dribbling the air out of the ball but honestly man i think by the by the time the playoffs come around he's going to be much more in that that christian brown ring of confidence under michael malone he's he's going to be getting some real minutes 
Mike, what do you think about his? Uh, uh, the, the, what what his, will his line look like? Um, I you know at at his age and especially with his lack of experience at stages coming in to this right, he didn't have a ton of experience in college prior to this. Um, it's it's going to be a scatter plot. It's going to be all over the place at first when he when he goes, but you know to to what. Joshua was talking about what a great response to Malone basically you know to a couple of uh, DNVR guys questions about Peyton saying I'm not going to give anything to anybody what a great response the next basically to come out the next night and and throw down the kind of game that he did um, he he definitely is showing that he's at least worthy of the attention worthy of going through some of those ups and downs with because you know um, I, I would I'd love to be the one seed again this year, but I'd sure more love to, you know, get to a point that we've got somebody for a playoff lineup that we can look at to res to replace maybe what Jeff Green was or more to us in that playoff lineup, right? The way that I'm sure they're going to be looking to Christian to replace a lot of Bruce's minutes. So, yeah, the, Jokic did mention in one other uh, Serbian uh, journalist question a couple of days ago that. Yeah, we we did bring in most of the guys back. We need to figure like guys number seven, eight, and nine in this season, and we should be good. So, yeah, I agree with that. Ray, were you surprised by the way uh, Peyton jumped in quality in just one game, or is um, it just something to expect from a young guy like him? I feel very comfortable in believing in his defensive and just physicality potential. So uh, speaking of jumping, <laughs> I am not surprised by any of that. I do think we are going to see a lot of inconsistency in the offense, especially in the context of what they're trying to put together with their guard rotation as well. I think like between Jamal and Ruggi, I think they're both playing well. I think it's just some level of... Um, understanding who's doing what when you know who is setting up the offense who's staying in the corner that type of thing i think as they work that out i think it'll help really everybody two through five um in that unit yeah uh you all mentioned the no no guaranteed minutes for the young guys that malone uh, you know mentioned before the season started and Right when he said that, I thought of Zeke Naji because he is actually a guy that doesn't have anybody behind him, you know, except for DJ. And we know DJ is not the guy we expect to play for like a thousand minutes this season or something like that. So that was my first hunch. So I asked Adam, like, is, is he talking about Zeke? And he was like, yeah, Zeke and Peyton. So these two guys, you know, need to, to pull their stuff together and, and show that they're they're actually worthy of, of playing. So when we speak about Zeke against the, the Grizzlies, he played like a madman. So he's ex he was extremely active on both sides, drawing a lot of fouls. And if he only had better hands, he would have been an amazing rebounder too. But, you know, because of that kind of activity. But we have to live with his flaws because if he didn't have those flaws, hands in particular, he would have been a starting player in the NBA and that would probably not be on the Nuggets. Still, 
Rebounding is the biggest deficiency of this Nuggets second unit on the defensive side. Is there something Coach Malone can do so the non-Jokic minutes don't don't turn the battle of boards, you know, against the Nuggets, Ray? That's a tough question. I, in terms of the front court, I don't think you can play DeAndre Jordan. That's that's the option that you have. Um, outside of that, I think it's about just having a collective amount of size outside of that position. You know, two, three, four. Can you put out? enough guys that maybe Zeke isn't the best individual rebounder, but maybe he works hard and a bunch of guys who are also lengthy and rangy and athletic can uh, chip in. So Mike, the biggest, the biggest problem I had with Zeke in the preseason and in game one as well was that he wasn't tenacious enough. He wasn't, you know, putting his heart on the, on a sleeve, but something totally changed between games one and two <laughs> how happy were you to to see him playing that hard i mean you know zeke at his best is zeke's a hell of a player in in so many ways he can he can stretch the floor um when when his hands do seem to be operating correctly he's he's actually a pretty tenacious rebounder um he, he did have a little bit of a tough night um, with Memphis with that, but he's, he's so solid. I, my thing with Zeke is every time it seems like he's really starting to catch fire and really starting to figure everything out, there's, there's another injury. And I, I think that's gotta be a thing for Zeke this year that if at, he's kind of got to avoid at all costs, if he wants to be one of those other four that's, that's behind that first five, you know? So Josh, do you think the game he showed last night is enough for him to to grant him a playoff rotation? You know, in, Man, in six months. That's tough because AG was so good, right? As the backup five, and and it worked, and we went. You know, we only lost four games in four series. So, um, but but the reality is, I mean, if we could try to keep keep those guys off the floor, that that would be helpful. Um, we got 80 games left for him to hone those skills. He's got a big contract to live up to. Um, I think he can do it. I think he's got the raw tools. Like, like Mike was saying, man, if he can stay healthy, like I think he's he's going to be one of the better backup players on our team. He can he can make shots. He can switch through all one through five. Um, I'm really high on Zeke. Uh, I, I think that he can can play well if he's healthy. I mean, that's the biggest thing, man. If he can keep and I feel like the injuries are so like nebulous, you know, like sore knees and stuff like that, that I'm like, this is keeping him out for two months. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not into you know sports medicine, but it seems strange. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, way too early to be making those types of predictions, but I, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. I want to hit one more guy, no, not literally, you know, <laughs> wow. just one, one more guy before we Tough. hit another break. And it's Reggie Jackson. He's been actually good so far. So the Nuggets lost Brucey e. B's ball handling, but it looks like Reggie is there for it. Should we treat this two-game stretch of his just as you know a two-game stretch, or is there something more to it, Ray? I it's hard. I I, I can't buy into it that deeply yet. It's just two games, but I'm happy to see him playing well. That, that's all I can say. 
<laughs> Josh, I'm so glad Ray's been the first one to get these two tough questions. <laughs> I was like, no, please we'll don't. Just build off <laughs> so, Josh, be 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 frank. Did you think he was, you know, cooked at the end of last season? And like, were were you screaming at this and this at the sky when you discovered that he got a two two year contract with the Nuggets? Yeah, man, I really was. I, I sent the, you know, as soon as the tweets started coming out, I, I was sending them to my buddies and being like, what are they doing? Like, he didn't really do much of anything. But honestly, man, he's been great. He looked good in the preseason. He was here all summer working with the new guys, you know, uh, the, the new recent draft picks. And then, you know, I think P. Watt and stuff were here and they were all saying he's been a good veteran leadership presence all summer long. So nothing but impressed between, you know, where we were there and, and now. And I mean, if he can keep it up, man. Um, hopefully Jamal doesn't have to stagger, although when they're on the court together, they're looking pretty good. So, so Mike, I think we, we've learned a valuable lesson last summer, you know, a year ago, when we were screaming at, at DeAndre Jordan signing, like, what the fuck are they doing, guys? Like, this is the most incompetent, you know, front office ever. But then we realized all of the moves were actually good. I mean, except for the Peyton Watson, we still need to see what Peyton becomes. But I kind of was like, okay, I don't like this move, but I, 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 I think I owe a benefit of the doubt to Calvin Wood after last summer. <laughs> what were your feelings about, about that contract, you know, three months ago? And how about now? I think, I think that's exactly right. And I, I think I've felt that way year over year only because the team keeps building, you know, in, in a forward direction. And so it's, it's hard to not give the benefit of the doubt there. Um, there's so much to love about Reggie's story. Um, there's so many great moments uh, in his career in the past coming up to this point. The Colorado kid angle, all of that is, is really cool and really great. Um, I, I am admittedly probably a little hard in my uh, own head on Reggie because he's one of those guys a lot to me like uh, like a Will Barton, like a Corey Brewer, kind of one of those chaos agents where I'm like, you know, when that works, that's great. And when that doesn't work, everything just blows up in your face. And so I'm, I got to admit, I'm probably uh, still a little jury out on, on Reggie, but um, he has had a great couple of first games and he really wants to do this and be here. So uh, nice, nice start, Reggie. Yeah. Lo local guy angle is actually my favorite angle on, on Reggie. I really, I really would love for you guys to, to, to have a local guy to, to root for for a long time. Okay, yeah. it is time uh, for another break. Don't go anywhere. These messages are going to be super important. See you in a minute. Okay, we are back. We are still on the Memphis game. And the starters, Sans Jokic, shot 18 of 45 from the field last night so that was 40 percent from the field and that sounds like a jordan pool shooting numbers so luckily denver got 37 points from the bench in a 108 point uh, game are you guys worried about this shooting performance by the starters on the road ray um actually no and i would say mainly because taking a step back from my own personal biases, I thought Memphis played a great game. Honestly, I thought this was like a great, um, 
regardless of what happens with the scoreboard or the record, I think Memphis played uh, physical. They played a very disruptive brand of basketball, and they were very consistent about how much effort they were giving throughout the night. So it was it the best outcomes for the team. It wasn't, but I don't think it was totally without reason. Um, so they have stuff to work on, but I'm, I'm pretty happy. Mike? First off, I uh, totally agree with Ray about Memphis's game, and and Smart is going to be such a perfect pickup for them this year. He's such a Memphis guy in the way he plays and how he wears his heart on his sleeve and all the rest. He is only going to further gas them up. So um, I think they just uh, – you said it earlier, Merrill. I think uh, you know they just hit us harder than I think most of the guys were planning on coming out last night. Um, but that said – all of the starters were still plus in their minutes. If you if you actually go through, we're still all plus, even with the with the tough shooting. Um, and I think while that's a couple of games where you've got a couple of guys like you know MPJ who haven't had the greatest shooting nights. Um, no, I think these guys, especially those starters, know how to win when that's not going their way. Um, they just tighten up everywhere else, and um, yeah, I'm I'm not concerned at all. I think they're just finding it. I, I really like your your uh, take on on Smart being a real Memphis guy, and I have to say, <clears throat> Zeke and Peyton look like Memphis guys as well. <laughs> I sure do. That's so, a good point. <laughs> so I guess Kevin Booth is like, no, 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 no. We're not letting all of those guys go to Memphis. We want to have a bit of uh, you know grit and grind uh, in our Christian too, well. right? I mean, Christian, Christian is one yeah, of those of guys too, right? So yeah. Christian is just not on the top of his game yet, but I, I hope he'll get there in a in a game or two. Josh, uh, the, was it worrisome for you to see so many open shots missed? You know, the second they left their home arena. Um, it's a make or miss league. I mean, you're going to have your ups and downs. Basketball is a game of runs, right? All those, all those, uh, idioms. Uh, but I mean, not really. I mean, they're going to start to fall. MPJ is going to hit his bucket sooner or later. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I watched the game last night and it's not like I was thinking, man, we can't buy a bucket. I was just thinking, man, that's, you know, we're missing some a couple tough, tough open shots, but um, you know, I thought we played pretty well defensively. Could not agree more with Ray. When I saw the laundry list of people that were out for uh, Memphis, obviously you got Jaws out and Steven Adams and then a couple other other guys. But, man, the guys that were there came to play. Uh, Jaron Jackson was, was incredible. And uh, I, I agree, Marcus Smart looked really good. So, overall, man, I, I thought they played well. Um, but we're just the best clutch team in the league. So, you can keep it close until that five-minute mark of, of Q4. You got it. Yeah, it's it's not very smart to to keep Denver close entering six-minute mark of the of the of the fourth quarter. I guess that's that's not the best thing you can do. So, Jokic played for 35 and a half minutes per game in the first two games. So, do you guys think we'll witness his minutes going down to like a 32, 33 minutes mark? per game anytime soon, Ray? Not really. Uh, <laughs> and only because as much as he played 35 minutes last, you know, over the last couple of games, I think he's still in like a low gear, if that makes sense. He's still like in second or third gear at best. Um, so 
I don't think too much of it is being asked of him right now. Yeah, so it's not it's not the years, it's the mileage, right? Yeah, the intensity of those minutes, for sure. <laughs> Mike, are, are you a bit scared about those big minutes early? Um, no, and especially because I know, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the big gap in between these two games and things like that. I This team has been so smart about so many things. I'm guessing that if they do follow um, more load management practice stuff this year, I'm guessing you'll see more of that in the three games in four nights type of schedules. I'm sure you'll see cutbacks there for everybody in, in those moments, but I think they're going to be more... I think it's going to be less about it's this number whatever happens and more about being smart about where they're at in each moment yeah i, w I wanted to talk a bit about the the jamal stagger tonight as well to date actually it's tonight in serbia but i'm going to leave it for for uh, for another show because i think it's a really interesting subject that that, that needs more time and we don't have a lot of time to the end of this show so before we get to the last segment, what do you think about Aaron Gordon's showing in the first two, two games? Like, Jokic will get all the flowers for that three-quarters court inbound pass that ended up in an alley-oop. But somebody needed the strength and dexterity to catch that ball and slam it. What were your favorite details uh, uh, about his game this week, Josh? Um... He, you know, he, he still looks physical. I actually think he played a little bit better in game one than game two. He, I think he was playing a little bit more bully ball in, in the Lakers game than the Memphis game. Um, even, you know, even though he's holding on the rim, you know, the, he's kind of getting some flack. But, man, he got up. Um, but uh, I think he's I think he's playing way on both sides, well on both sides of the ball, man. I think he's he's same like we were talking about earlier, just picking up right where he left off. So um, I've really been impressed with him. Ray? Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with, honestly, with both him and Michael Porter. I think what is really impressive about the Nuggets is that they have so much size on the court, but the size that they do have, they're complete basketball players that, that they're, uh, both able to pass, to dribble, to shoot, to handle the ball, to initiate actions and finish plays as well. So, um, I have no, no concerns, comments, carry on, you know? Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, Mike, I, I, I'm always afraid that I'm just being too kind toward Aaron because I love, love him so much. And, and I'm trying to, to... I'm trying to be neutral, you know, not, not to go too far. But is there a more powerful forward in the league right now? I actually... Um... I, the, the article from this last week, I led off with, um, I was hanging out with some buddies for the Lakers game and we're halfway through the second quarter. And, um, and this guy is admittedly getting a little bit, uh, tipsy when he yells at the top of his lungs that Aaron Gordon is the greatest power forward to ever play for the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> and we get into this big fight over it. And then I went, <laughs> The names that you start throwing out, you go, that's that's possible. Yeah. That's very possible. I, you know, the whole thing that we ended up talking about, the group of us, the five of us that night was, 
how many of those guys either are or can be by the time they're done the greatest at their position for the Nuggets. Um, and and uh, man, uh, he's got such a grasp of the game now. Um, he's worked so hard to increase his basketball IQ. He's in the right spot at the right moment. He is, I, I think, really the heart and soul a lot of times of firing these guys up, especially with the physical play pieces. Um, I, no, I, I think you might be underselling him a little bit. He's, he's really, he's, he's the third most important piece on the floor right now, most of the time. It's, it's insanity. Being so <laughs> powerful, yet so, so quick, so, so switchable, so, uh, I mean, the guy guarded so many incredible guys in the playoffs this this spring and it, it shouldn't be understated how talented the nba actually is and we are still feeling so smug about this team because it really feels like one of the greatest teams ever assembled so on that note let's take a short break and then we'll do some jamal talk don't go anywhere okay jamal let's pretend for a moment, that we are an ESPN panel. And take a look at points per game so far among point guards. So we have Luca averaging 41, Dame 39, Mitchell, let's call him point guard, 35, Steph 34, Shaggyless Alexander 32, Maxi 31, Fox 28, McCollum, I guess he is the Pelicans point guard. 24, Brunson, 23, Dozier, oh, sorry, no, is in partisan, Rozier is 22, and Jamal is 11th point guard in points per game right now with 21.5. Then we go to assists per game, Halliburton, 11, Paul, 10.5, Trey Young as well, Nemhard 10, off the bench, by the way, Lamelo 9.5, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, <laughs> I did not expect to mention him in a good way today. Simmons, Schroeder, Van Vliet, Doncic, Westbrook, all 8.5. Maxi, 8. Kate Cunningham, 7.5. Shea and Trey Jones, 7. Jamal is 15th on the list of assists per game. And then we get to rebounds per game where there's Luca, Ben Simmons, Lillard, Shea. Actually, Jamal's 1.5 rebounds per game is right now 126th among among all guards after you know one week it's it's very you know low sample but you see the numbers are not very impressive after two games of course it it will change a bit later on but if espn is ranking the point guards based on these early numbers jamal is not making the top 10. now stay with me i i swear i'm i'm getting to my point the question I want to ask you guys is when the regular season ends and the all-NBA teams are being voted, how high do you think Jamal will rise on this list? Not for us, because we wouldn't replace Jamal with any point guard, you know, because of the fit and chemistry and playoff rise. But for the ESPN-type panel that actually decides on things like this, how high can he climb and... Also, do you expect that rise to be numbers related or eye tests related? Uh, 
who is who is who's happy <laughs> who wants to, to take this one take on I'll, the role you know what i'll i'll hop into the first one why not yeah <laughs> uh, well, first of all mike and ray might be some of the most even keeled people i've ever met and so they are not yelling nearly enough for this to be a valid espn panel but <laughs> once we get past that i um i i, I it sounds so silly but it's got to be the eye test right at least right now um Jamal looks so comfortable. It looks like the game has slowed down for him. It looks like he's he's setting up everybody else. I mean, I, I'm actually surprised his assists are that low, for being honest. Um, I do think his numbers will climb. I think I think he'll have higher points per game and assists per game. But uh, I mean, realistically, we have a point center, so he doesn't have to run the the main unit. <laughs> Um, and so sometimes he's not going to get those same stats as, as some of those other PGs you mentioned. So, um, I still think he's not going to be at the top of some of those lists by, by year end, but, um, ultimately it's going to matter when he comes to the playoffs and what he can do there. So you're saying you're not taking Chris Paul over Jamal Murray. Though. Boy, boy, is it close. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, him in his 50th season. Uh, but no, I don't think so, man. I think I'm, I think I'm going to stick with uh, Jamal. Yeah, that, that's a very important note to, to make. None of these guys are playing next to Joker. So, you know, it, it, it's not fair to compare their assists. I, I said it, I think, last week or two weeks ago that the number we should be looking at is combined assists by Jokic and Jamal together. And we want those numbers to rise. I don't care who, who gets how, how many. Mike, do you expect a rise in numbers or like like uh, narrative wise for him to get to like top three or something like that um i i'm expecting the numbers to probably stay consistently on on a on a rise right on, on a higher level i think any uh looking at any two games and expecting to predict 82 out of that is is kind of a a tough thing to do um but one of the things that I noticed as I was listening to your two lists, I think, if I was listening right, um, was a lot of the names at the top of those lists didn't cross over one another. Um, I think Jamal's one of the few names that was on both of those lists, and I think that says a lot about what he does inside of our offense and how our whole offense operates, basically. That they're all... It's, it's, it's an offensive opportunism, and they, they take what is there and what is given to them. So... In the first two games, if these first two teams came out to try to shut down Jamal and Joker, then everybody else is going to take the burden and take the load, and and their numbers won't be as strong in in those moments. I think, you know. So, so Ray, you're my fellow Jamal doubter. I mean, not a strong doubter. I mean, we we both know that he is the perfect guy for this team. I'd There's be no, That's yeah. Fair. Yeah, but we are critical of him. I mean, we do want him to become better so we can speak as highly as most people are speaking in the Nuggets sphere about him. Mm -hmm. So what are your realistic expectations from him this season? Well, first thing is I like to say that while I wish Jamal Murray was a dear friend of mine, at the same time, he may not have the counting stats of a Trey Young or a Tyrese Halliburton. But at the same time, you have to understand that he's the best point guard of the best offensive in the league, that he's going to have big shots in big moments. And when we're talking about all NBA, 
uh, we're talking about something we all have to agree on. Not all of us, but a lot of media members at least have to agree on. I, I think that's going to be built by narrative. And I think that is something where Jamal really can shine in, that he can show up in the big moments, in the big matchups. And I think that's going to go a long way for him to be third team all NBA. I think it's in the it's in the cards for him if he if he really pushes for it at the right times. Yeah, so even after the championship, even all of those incredible numbers, the 30-point triple-double in finals and stuff like that, I still heard people saying like, yeah, Jamal is really good, but you know, if you replace him with Shea or you replace him with Booker or somebody like that, you'll still get the same results. And guys, I'm not sure that's true. I'm Actually, I would bet that it's not true, at least for one season, you know. It takes years to get that kind of incredible chemistry with such a mastermind of basketball like Nikola Jokic. So, yeah, I, I kind of think his numbers will be better this year, but not by much. Like, I, I expect him to go to, like, 22-7 and seven this season, and those numbers will not grant him a top three point guard from Kendrick Perkins. I don't know if Shea, I don't know if Shea or Booker are the post players that Jamal are. I don't know if they can set a pick the way Jamal can, you know, and I, so I don't disagree necessarily, but he's, he's an, he's also kind of a one of one. He's an all around guy. He's not exactly a point guard or a shooting guard. He's, I don't know. What is he? A, he's uh, a baller. Yeah. He's a baller. He's a, <laughs> He's he's a if if Jokic is the point center, what is he? He's the whatever guard, uh, power uh, guard. Yeah, power guard. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I call, I call myself power guard, but not because <laughs> I'm powerful. It's because I weigh two hundred and twenty five pounds and I'm only five ten. So that's why I call myself a power guard. Yeah. Okay. So I we we all agree that he should not miss the All-Star this year, right? Is there any doubt in any of you that he, you know, that he might miss it again? I don't, he might not get the fan vote, but hopefully the coaches get him in. <laughs> no, he, he's definitely not getting the fan vote, but we're counting on the coaches, right? Yeah, you think he'll ride that wave anyway, at least for now. I believe in him proving it. That's what I'll say. Um, it's not a lock, but I think he's going to show that he's worthy of an all-star berth. I like that better. Yeah, I, I agreed with that. Okay, before we go, I have one game for you. I just cannot help myself with the games this year. So, last, last week, I had a game called Whose Stat Is It? And I wanted to go in a completely different way this time around. So this, this one is called Who's Done It? So it's not Who's That It Is, it's Who's Done It? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions that, that talks about the last two games, and you'll, you'll try to give me a right answer. So Mike, you're right be below me on this uh, little panel on the left, so you get the first question. Nine Nuggets players played for more than 10 minutes this season in total. Who scored the least points among them? Uh, 
I'm terrified that this is going to be Michael Porter Jr. Oh, it's it's not Michael Porter oh, Jr. Thank God. Okay. He's good. not top so five, good. but he, he's not last. He's not ninth guy. <laughs> Ray. Um I'm gonna go with Zeke Naji. That's also incorrect, Josh. Oh. Uh Christian Brown. Yes, that's correct. Christian oh, wow. Brown only made Oh, wow. I think 12 points in these two games. Not too bad, actually. Six points per game. Not too bad. Okay, next question for Ray. Again, nine Nuggets players played for more than 10 minutes this season. Who attempted the least three-pointers among them? I hate to repeat my answers, but I'm going to go with Zeke Naji again. <laughs> Zeke, Naji. Zeke Naji is correct. That, that is correct. He only tried one three-pointer in two games, and he did not get it. Uh, Josh is having problems with his laptop. I'm not sure we'll get him back. Fingers but, uh, Josh, if you can try to reconnect, we'll welcome you back. Uh, Mike, back to you. Again, nine Nuggets players played for more than 10 minutes this season. Who recorded the least turnovers among them? Reggie Jackson. That is not correct. But it was close. Ray? Michael Porter? Absolutely, Michael hey, Porter. let's go. <laughs> you know the old All saying, right. you cannot turn the ball over if you're not passing. So <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a dime to AG he did. Uh, last he did. night. I'm just joking. He had some, that was some good nice. passes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Like I, I, I only joke about him because I love him. <laughs> okay. Third All-Star, let's go. <laughs> So who's next? Who, whose question is this? It's Ray, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's Mike's. Oh, it's, it's mine. Mike's. Let's, let's, all, let's make it mine. So Pretty once good. again, nine Nuggets players play for more than 10 minutes this season. Who had the least personal fouls among them? These questions are so stupid. I'm sorry, guys. Just, no, just, uh, no, you're good. This is, this is interesting. It's a tough... I'm trying to think. Because I'm thinking... Of... Hmm. Aaron Gordon. No. Great. <laughs> okay. This is total fouls. Yeah, total fouls. I'm going to go. I'm going to triple down. Zeke Naji, let's go. Zeke Naji is not correct. Reggie ah, Jackson Reggie. had okay. zero, zero fouls in two games. Wow. As a, and as Kit Parrish from Fast Break Breakfast usually says about the guys that don't foul anybody, just try playing defense. Like, you'll probably foul somebody. <laughs> Just joking. Okay, yeah. next, <laughs> next question. Let me see which one is it. Okay, so we're back to Mike, right? Uh, I think, no, to Ray. I think okay. it's me. I think it's me. Okay, so again, nine Nuggets players played for more than 10 minutes this season. Who had the highest true shooting percentage among them? Mm, this is an interesting question. Mm. I'm tempted to say the obvious answer but would that be too obvious okay i'm gonna go with michael porter michael porter is not correct josh How? okay time to steal one answer who uh, had who the highest through shooting percentage among Man. the guys that played at least 10 minutes i mean Jokic missed like eight in a row the other night i'm gonna go with reggie that is also incorrect. Mike, this is a really interesting answer, actually. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to, and I, I thought Aaron was unexpected in the last one, but I think he is here too, just because he's, he's just under the basket all the time and it's just a good, scooping up what's left. So it's I'm a good choice. That would be my guess too, but the correct answer is, sorry, it's Peyton Watson, 76% through shooting after two games. Wow. That's efficiency. Let's go. Yeah. He's hit some trees, guys. He's hit some trees. Okay, last question. We'll give it to Joshua. Josh. Sorry to dip out for a second. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. Glad to have you back. So again, nine Nuggets players played for more than 10 minutes this season. Who had the highest assist to turnover ratio among them? I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Jamal. That is incorrect. Mike. I believe this is Reggie. I agree. Well, based on the second game, that would be correct. But no, actually, oh. one guy had a better assist to turnover ratio. And There's got to be a couple guys that have zero, right? There's got to be a few guys that have none. Yeah, yeah, you can't have zero as the numerator and the no, denominator. No. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't you can't. <laughs> this guy did have one turnover in two games. Is it Michael Porter? It's not. He didn't have enough assists. Ah. It's Aaron Gordon. His assist to turnover ratio is eight, guys. Eight. Wow. He had eight assists to one turnover. Incredible, incredible showing from from Aaron Gordon uh, uh, being savvy in the first two games. So, so one Mr. Nugget to another, taking the reign of assist to turnover kings. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's all for today, Mike. You already mentioned that you wrote about Aaron Gordon in your last column. Do you, can you give us a, a sneak peek into it or maybe into the next column you're thinking about? I think, I mean, I think that's the gist of this last one is, is, you know, looking at each of the five guys and whether or not, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, Joker is the best center who's ever played for the Nuggets. As, as illustrious as that list is, he's pretty unquestionable at this point. Jamal, I don't know if you make that argument just yet. And that was the conversation we ended up sitting around the table having was, where are each of these guys? You know, how does KCP fit against all of the rest of the shooting guards who have, you know, played for the team? Where... Where will Michael Porter sit someday against somebody like an Alex English and things like that? So it was, it was a fun chat. Ray, when can we expect the next episode of Four Corners? Uh, yeah, I do a podcast called Four Corners. It's very informal. We talk about the Nuggets and anything kind of Nugget adjacent. Um, we also talk about the Broncos sometimes a little bit. It's awesome. It's an awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, tomorrow at four. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock Mountain Time, we are going to go live with our third live episode. We're working on that. So feel free to drop by, you know, drop some comments, drop a like, or just listen. All good with me. Excellent. Excellent. I, I love uh, I love the way your, your podcast is growing uh, through these. You had like 100 episodes by now, right? Yeah. Our most recent episode was episode 100. So... That's I know awesome. the pandemic yeah. was so long ago, and here we are. That's awesome. I, I'm only at 69. That I, I feel hey, it's a it's a very nice number. <laughs> it <laughs> is. <laughs> so, Josh, feel free to plug whatever you want. 
Man, I feel like I'm in such prestigious company, right? We got we got Mike and Ray. You guys are doing such cool things. I'm just a Nuggets fan, man. I'm on, you know, I'm an insurance adjuster that just happened to fall in love with uh, this team here, man. And uh, I, you know, I enjoy being on Twitter and the community, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, just just go follow Josh on on Twitter. He is at Space Nerd. Help me out. Thirteen thirteen. 1313 so here's a yeah. great follow just just go ahead and, and follow points. both josh and ray and mike as well okay as for you my dear listener i'll be back next sunday since there will be a game on saturday i already have some exciting guests lined up please give us a like on your way out and uh, idemo nuggetsi idemo